Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 229. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. It's America's birthday, July 4th, Independence Day, or Independence Day. Our favorite day of the year around here. And as we load up the car for the beach, or fire up the barbecue, or work the holiday shift, America's birthday is always a time to stay vigilant. Pages long. Wait a minute, let's see here. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Except it is like highly confidential, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> she'd, send it, no, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner, yeah, yeah. the pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying because we were talking about it, and you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He said the papers. Wow. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a, a yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified yeah. it. Now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, classified. Yeah, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so, I'm, look, we here and I have, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe it's you. It's incredible, right? It's incredible, all right. Happy Independence Day, everyone. More fireworks from President Mayhem. He said, wait a minute, let's see here. Now we have a problem, says the staffer. Yeah, now, thanks to this, America has a problem. We'll likely never know how big or how many problems, but it's disgusting and beyond outrageous to hear them laugh it up and for him to attack and blame the military. Every lowest level military enlistee can tell you how wrong this all is. And our enemies are celebrating this July 4th, foreign and domestic. Speaking of which, the American insurgency continues to threaten the freedom of all Americans this July 4th. The national security threat from the Patriot Front, the Oath Keepers, and other violent domestic extremist groups is real and rising. And I've regularly covered it on this show and have mentioned it on my many media appearances. And here is something I want to flag for you this Independence Day. It's the National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin put out by the Department of Homeland Security. And this is one from just a few weeks ago, and I'll read it to you. Summary of Terrorism-Related Threat to the United States. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment. Lone offenders and small groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs and personal grievances continue to post a persistent and lethal threat to the homeland. Both domestic violent extremists, DVEs, and those associated with foreign terrorist organizations continue to attempt to motivate supporters to conduct attacks in the homeland, including through violent extremist messaging and online calls for violence. In the coming months, factors that could mobilize individuals to commit violence include their perceptions of the 2024 general election cycle and legislative or judicial decisions pertaining to socio-political issues. Likely targets of potential violence include U.S. critical infrastructure, faith-based institutions, individuals and events associated with the LGBTQIA plus community, schools, racial and ethnic minorities, and government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement. That is your July 4th warning from the Department of Homeland Security. The warnings about the threat for the American insurgency are all there. And I hate to throw some cold water on your fireworks, but the threats are real and rising and continue to need a national strategic response. We've covered it on this show for years now, and we can't take July 4th off. Because our freedom is at stake. Our future 
is at stake. Our lives are at stake. And stakes is high. Last year I had a conversation with the great filmmaker Ken Burns that was especially relevant and enlightening on this topic. Ken talked about his powerful insights into extremism in America throughout history, and in particular, the dangerous political weaponization of grievance. That was back in episode 195 from last November. Check it out if you haven't already. But Ken Burns knows history and knows when it will repeat itself. We've seen this threat to our freedom before in America. We'll see it in new forms, especially around July 4th, as new leaders continue to manipulate the grievance of millions of Americans. Tell me it doesn't affect people's lives. I was just in San Francisco. I saw in 20 minutes on the ground people defecating on the sidewalk. I saw people using fentanyl. I saw people smoking crack right there in the open, right there on the street. It was a civilization in decay. And it was as a result of leftist ideology pursued leftist policies. So this is a battle that we must win. And my pledge is this. We will fight the woke in the schools. We will fight the woke in the corporations. We will fight the woke in the halls of government. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. We are going to leave woke ideology in the dustbin of history where it belongs. So this July 4th, as Ukrainians fight and die for their independence and for their freedom, this guy thinks he's the Winston Churchill of the fake war against woke. Every day, he's becoming more and more of an empty, opportunistic hack. And this might work with the MAGA base, but definitely not with most independent Americans. We know the real threats from the manufactured. We know the real freedoms and the fake ones. And this weekend in New York City, a place that was under threat from all the things I talked about earlier, I saw a DeSantis nightmare that is one of the truest expressions of freedom in the world. That's the sound of pride in Washington Square Park this weekend. I was there with my family, with my kids. And that is the kind of energy and attitude that's been happening all across the country throughout this month of June for pride. Yeah, pride is a party, but it's also a protest and an ongoing movement grounded in heroic activism, huge sacrifice, brave leadership, deep history, and a march toward freedom, a march that continues, and so does the fight. Now, I've been to almost all the parades and marches in New York and many across America, and nothing is more positive, more happy, more creative, more kind, more fun, more fierce, more welcoming to kids, and more free than pride. The environment is overflowing with happiness, fun, music, and joy. Yeah, there's naked people, but there's naked people everywhere in America. And Ron DeSantis' nightmare is a powerful expression of freedom and love and inclusiveness. It's really the future of our world. And our kids know it. And our kids are making it. The future is theirs. The future is free. And the future is filled with and fueled by pride. Pride is all about freedom. And America is about freedom. And this Independence Day, as you flex your freedom, there's lots to keep on your radar as you ride off into the summer. A 
America is about freedom. But for many independents like us, there's still no freedom to vote. Now, it was Pride this weekend in New York, and this week it was primary day in New York City and the last day of public school for public schools throughout the city and the state, which is not in the least bit disruptive as campaign workers attempt to shove pamphlets in our faces during our final drop-off of the year for an election that the kids and independents like me can't even vote in. Now, New York City's been putting out information, and they released this. A total of 44,611 New Yorkers have cast their ballot during the nine-day early voting period for the June primaries. That's what the city's Board of Elections said. 44,000 in a city of 8 million people. 8 million people, and only 44,000 have voted early. If you don't think our election system is broken, think about that. This is why I've joined with Final Five NYC to fight for change. Change that will benefit independents in particular, but will benefit all New Yorkers and all Americans. We've talked about it on the show. This fight is going on nationwide. But this week we saw how acute it was in New York. So check out Final5.NYC. Because independent doesn't mean the middle. It means none of the above. And it's not a new party. It's no party. Because America is not a party, it's a mission. And independents like me and many of you shouldn't be blocked from participating in that mission. America is supposed to be about freedom. And we should be free to vote just like everyone else. But this July 4th, freedom is under attack in America and around the world. And of course, and especially inside Ukraine. Мою лузі червона калина похилилася. Чогось наша славна Україна зажурилася. Maybe you were at a baseball game or a graduation ceremony and you flipped over to your phone and you said, "Oh shit, there's a coup going on in Russia." Well, The coup didn't happen, but the chaos definitely did. The chaos that had been happening throughout Ukraine finally spilled over into Russia as the Wagner Group threatened to invade Moscow. And for a while, it looked like it was happening. And I still think some version of this is how it could eventually end. Even though they didn't take Putin out, they showed others inside Russia and around the world that it's possible that he can be beat The road to peace for Ukraine only comes over Putin's dead body. Or with him jailed or exiled. That's always been the path. And all this tumult is great for Ukraine. And good for Russia. The more Russians eat their own, the sooner Putin is toppled, the sooner Ukraine wins, and a new future for Russia without Putin begins. If you're a Russian fighting against Putin... You are a freedom fighter. You are fighting for your independence. And the world is rooting for you. And while freedom lays in the crosshairs in Ukraine and inside Moscow, the same old crew in Washington are tasked with responding. And there was a CNN headline that I posted that caught my eye. It said, Sources say U.S. and Western officials caught off guard by the escalation with Prigozhin. Prigozhin is the head of Wagner Group. No way. You mean the same U.S. officials who were caught off guard by January 6th and by the rapid implosion of Afghanistan and by the ability of Ukraine to fight back against Russia? Those U.S. officials? You mean the same leaders like the president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who was never held accountable or replaced? What a surprise. There's been a lot of talk about accountability for Trump and his allies, which is necessary and important. But what about the accountability for failure after the fireworks went off in Afghanistan and after the fireworks went off in Ukraine and after the fireworks went off in our capital on January 6th? What about the accountability for those folks? The fireworks are happening this Independence Day all across Ukraine, Russia, America, and the world. And as the fight for independence and for independence roll on, It's time for our annual discussion of freedom here on Independent Americans. 
Time to reflect on what our freedom means, what kind of state it's in. With a special, important, inspiring, and iconic American leader who shaped what America has been, is now, and will be in the future. In past July 4th specials, we've gone deep on freedom and on independence. We've talked to Willie Geist a few times. We talked to Lindsey Church. We talked to leaders who really understand America in a deep way and who can help us understand July 4th and where we're going. They're the perfect kind of guests to hear from as we really dive into summer, hit the road or the parks or the beach, and walk, hike, or drive with the sound of a steady guide in our ears, a voice of America, a conscience that we can take on the road with us. And this Independence Day, we've got another one. He's a humble and thoughtful and trusted young voice of America, for America, a younger generation of leader, and now a writer who's helping us all understand who we are as he sought to understand himself. He's an author now and an Emmy award-winning journalist who served as an NBC News correspondent from 2008 to 2016. That's where I first met him. He covered American politics and was all over outlets like NBC News, the Today Show, and MSNBC. And he co-hosted a critically acclaimed 6020 sports show with political pundit James Carville on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, where I used to be a backup for Chris Cuomo back in the day. He served as a guest host on a whole range of MSNBC shows, and he's appeared as a panelist on NBC's Meet the Press, the historic and trailblazing show that his own father, a great patriot himself, once hosted. And now, this young man is the author of his own best-selling book and is emerging as a rising conscience for all Americans, a man on a permanent journey to explore his freedom and a dude is rolling down that great thunder road. He's my friend. And our special guest for this special July 4th episode, Luke Russert. The screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. Like a vision she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again, I just can't face myself Luke burst on the scene as a political correspondent. He covered hurricanes and snowstorms and the Boston Marathon bombing. But he left the media. And he went on a three-year, six-continent journey that took him to nearly 70 countries. And I followed him the entire time on social media. And more than a couple of times, I said, man, you better be writing a book about this. Well, he has. And we're going to hear about it. He's the son of the late Tim Russert of NBC's Meet the Press and Vanity Fair writer Maureen Orth. He's from Washington, D.C. And his journeys have taken him all around the world with his little pug named Shakimo. He loves his Washington Nationals and his Washington Wizards. He's a diehard Buffalo Bills and Sabres fan. And he's even served on the Buffalo Fan Alliance Board. He's a rising voice, a man of heart, and an important heartfelt conscience for America. One who embodies the five eyes that this show and our independent movement are all about. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact and a truly independent American who's taken us all on a journey on that Thunder Road. Welcome to a discussion of what it means to be truly free. Welcome to a conversation about America, freedom, and the future. Welcome to Independence Day 2023. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 229.
ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. Happy Independence Day. We are bringing you a conversation that I am really excited about and I've been looking forward to actually for many, many years. I can think of nobody better to join us to really fully kick off summer, uh, to explore this moment in America, to reflect on our independence, then the great and powerful Luke Russer is here on Independent Americans. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. Dude, the, the, we were just talking as we warmed up. I think the last time I saw you in person was a long time ago. Yeah, it was at the book party for Rachel Maddow's book, Drift, about Afghanistan. So that's been, that's been a minute. And then how amazing that everything she wrote about in that book pretty much came to fruition uh, about, what, seven years later. So uh, right. that was a quick, what a memory. What a yeah. memory. But, yeah. But I think, you know, I, I really, I, I admire you and I consider us kind of distance friends. And you're a guy that I love rooting for and I've been watching. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, been, it's been really exciting to watch this journey you've been on. Yeah. And uh, I have a real heart for anybody dealing with loss, but also going on a journey. And, and I feel like uh, for years I've been wondering, and I think I maybe even sent you notes. And I said, dude, I hope you're <laughs> writing a book because I've been, I've been loving watching you. But, yeah. but it's also just great to see you, man, and, and to see you out there. And I want to start with a question I ask everybody. Where are you, Luke, and how are you? Well, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I'm in Washington D.C. at the moment, our nation's capital, my hometown. But uh, it's been now uh, almost uh, seven weeks since my book "Look for Me There: uh, Grieving My Father and Finding Myself" has come out. It had an incredible run as a top ten New York Times bestseller for a month, uh, and that was certainly humbling and gratifying. But for me, the most powerful thing has just been the responses from folks, especially uh, older people. Um, when I wrote the book, I thought there'd be a lot of people sort of our age range that would relate to it. But I've gotten letters from people in their 70s and 80s and 90s that have reached out and said, you know, I lost a parent or I lost a child or I lost a loved one uh, decades ago. And this book helped me process that. I never expected that. You know, when I wrote the book, I was just trying to help one kid who lost their dad feel a little less lost. And when all these other other people, uh, you know, seasoned people who I would look sort of look up to, if you will, uh, sort of showing their vulnerabilities and saying, you know, I stored and ignored a lot for many many years. Thank you for for giving me sort of an outlet to process my own emotions. So uh, that's just been incredible. So you know, bestseller lists are nice, but that's what really matters. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it really is. It it's, it it makes you feel good, you know. Well. Congratulations on it, man, because I Thank think part you. of the, the support that you're feeling is you're a guy that people root for. And, and I think yeah. just, just like your dad and I imagine your grandfather, there's something in you that's real special that, you know, as, as a friend, as a fan, as someone who was in your orbit, I was always rooting for you. And I think a lot of other folks did too. Um, and, and there's a part um, that I was thinking about, and, and I want to just thank you for sharing so much because sharing is hard. And, you know, I think we may have mentioned this when your dad first passed. I've done a lot of work with TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, and a lot of kids who've lost folks. And Bonnie Carroll always taught me, you know, you mourn their passing, but you celebrate their life. And, and you've been, you know, celebrating just life in general, I think, which is really exciting. And, and obviously celebrating your, 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 your dad uh, and your family. But your dad was like an example to me growing up as a dad. Right. And as I got two little boys now and you are an example as a son. And, and I think you, you together, this, this story you're telling is really an example for everybody's sons and everybody's dads. And I just want to thank you for it because well, thank the, you. I was sharing some of the pictures of my son over breakfast this morning <laughs> and, and sharing is hard. But you've done it in a very candid and powerful way that I think is really going to make an impact on, on people's lives. So I, I just I want to share that with you, man, and say and say thank you for it. Um, and, and as you've been on this journey, I know you're talking a lot about the book. There was something in there that, that I read when, it, when it, you know, it starts in Maine and you said the church of, of living free. Yeah. yeah right. Can yeah. you talk about that? Because we've had Sebastian Younger on this show who's talked about freedom. We've had Ken Burns on who I know you, we've had these folks who are thinking about the journey and, and the moment and life and these bigger issues. But can you talk about the church of living free? 
Yeah, it's a good question. So we talk a lot about freedom, right, in America, and both parties have their definition of freedom. And it's something that is used in advertisements, it's used in rhetoric, it's used as sort of why we, why what we die for, what we fight for, etc. And I realized that freedom is, it's, it's a unique thing in the sense of that we're always going to have to fight for it in some capacity. There's always going to be those evil people among us who are going to try to take it away, right? So you're, you're constantly on watch, you're constantly on guard about freedom in a government sense. What I realized, though, writing the book was that the place where you can truly, truly be free is inside yourself. And it took me many years to realize that. And the first time I ever felt that true freedom actually was in the backwoods of Maine. So I left my job at NBC. I was a correspondent for eight years. Had a great, great gig. Covered the House of Representatives, covered the Senate. Uh, I was on the up and up trajectory. You know, sky was the limit, uh, almost being groomed for whatever position. But I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't know why I was doing it. Was I doing it to live up to my dad's legacy? Was I doing it because people said I was good at it or um, that it just was the right thing to do, et cetera? I didn't know. And I knew that I would never be successful in anything if I had that lingering over me for a long time. Is this really what you want to do? Is this really what you're about? And part of that was I didn't feel like I was free to make that decision and I needed to get to that space. And so I left the gig and I went and just started traveling. And that moment I bring about in Maine is I'm on this old, in this old logging road in a, in a logging forest that is totally outside of the depths of GPS. Uh, you're completely lost. And I am dodging these timber trucks that are going 100 miles an hour full of just tons of cargo, right? And I'm with my dog and I'm in the pickup truck my father got me when I graduated from high school. And I just pull over in a moment there you know, by, the, by the river in this forest and it's just so quiet and it's so peaceful. And I realized like, man, this is the, I'm, I'm, I'm 31 years old and this is the first moment that I really felt free to think and free just to start processing things that have happened in my life, whether it's loss, uh, whether it's who I am, independent of the job, independent of my last name. Um, and that was a sort of personal freedom that, that came through. And I think it's really important for people to try to have those moments, um, whether it's shifting your environment, which is just, or taking your phone and throwing it, in the, you know, throwing it away yeah. for a few hours and just really unplugging and start to... Uh, start to think internally a little bit. And there's a certain, there's a power to that. There's a real power of aloneness uh, where I think freedom, freedom lives a lot. This is exactly what I wanted to get in with you, like especially this week, um, because freedom is a word that's thrown around. Sebastian wrote a whole book about it. I think when I, when I was watching you from the outside, right, as a fan and, and as, a, as, as someone I would consider a friend, you know, I was, I was rooting for you, but I saw you going through that journey. And I've seen so many of my friends, especially combat vets, come home and go through a journey after a tough experience. And, and you see the evolution. And I also remember seeing you on NBC, being on at the same time with you, being in the same green rooms and, and, and watching you go through it. And, and frankly, man, sometimes I felt like I was watching like a quarterback play running back. <laughs> like I could tell that you had all this talent, but you were kind of in a position that wasn't exactly the right fit for you. And now when you went on this journey, I feel like you're just blossoming in your own freedom, right? And, and that's really what I saw as a, as a young man in finding his freedom, embracing his freedom, and now sharing that freedom with others at a time when it's really been, I think, cannibalized and manipulated. And, you, and you're showing folks what it really means to be free. And I think that that's important and powerful. And I wanted to ask you, there was, there was a line that you, you quote from your grandpa, right? When your dad's quoting your grandpa, and you talk about America. Right. And he says, yeah. he says, what a country. Don't worry. I, I still believe in it. Even when times get tough, the power of the American promise forever uplifts. Right. And I recommend everybody check out the book. But can you talk about the country right now? You've had this great viewpoint from so many levels and in the back roads and in the diners and on TV. You've become in many ways, I think, an expert on America. <laughs> I, I really think so. And I put yeah. you in that class with like a Ken Burns and a Sebastian. People really thought about it and lived in it and seen it. And your dad was such an expert on America. Can you talk about, uh, especially as we reflect on July 4th, Luke, where, where do you think America is right now? 
Well, thank you. That's a very uh, kind compliment. I've been to 49 states. I still have to get to North Dakota. So <laughs> then, then, then I'll be truly, truly American, right? 50 out of 50. I think we're in a difficult period and we all, we all know that. And it feels as if we've sort of been in, a, in this holding pattern to a degree. Like we think things are going to get better, but they never do get better. So we don't really know what getting better is. And I think a lot of that also stems from just think of what the nation has gone through over uh, the last few years, but then keep like, let's go back. I always say you got to look at things from 35,000 feet. And I still think we're, we're, we're processing 9-11 still. We're processing those two wars still. We're processing, uh, I think we're still processing uh, Sandy Hook. I think we're still processing the economic recession of 08. You know, there's all these things that happen so quickly. And there is this idea of, okay, American resolve, like we can get through it. We got through the world wars. Yes, but these things happened very close. And these are huge to have 9-11, okay? And the greatest economic catastrophe since the Great Depression, within a span of eight years, or is it seven years? Excuse me, seven years? Yeah. That's remarkable. So I, I, I tell people that when you have these types of traumatic events, and then you pair it now with a technology that is completely unharnessed, that nobody really knows what it is. And what I mean by that is when you have the power of the internet, you have the power of Wi-Fi, and you have the power of connectivity. So suddenly people have to process these very difficult moments and there are very few gatekeepers anymore. So people can live in their own ecosystems more easily than ever. And the technology, we're still trying to figure out a relationship with that because we've never had to process these huge events with all this noise coming in at us that it's hard to differentiate what is truth and what is, what is fiction. So that's what I attribute it to. I, I, I think we as a people are actually way more united than we think. Um, it's, it sounds cliche, you know, you hear politicians say that, but it's true. I've, I've lived it. I mean, you, you go around the United States, most people are kind, they're hardworking. Uh, they want to put a roof over their heads. They want food in their belly. They want opportunity for their children and they just want to be treated with kindness and respect. That's the majority of America. And I think what's so hard is that it's been difficult to figure out, okay, what can I do to contribute or what can I do to affect change or what can I do to uh, feel like I have, uh, I got some skin in the game here because it feels like my common sense voice is just drowned out by all this incoming. That is a lot of it coming from people who are, who are profiting off of manipulation yeah. or who are doing the things because it's, it's easy. So I think we're in a, this period where we're trying to process the magnitude of these difficult events that have happened over the last two decades, and we're doing it up against this technology that we don't understand. Mm. And, uh, you know, here comes AI down the, mm -hmm. down yeah, the road. Yeah, What's yeah. that going to do? So I just tell people, I'm like, you know, think about how most often if you go into a restaurant or you go into a grocery store, 95% of the people you encounter are nice to you. Yep. Right. There's always a bad apple here, there. And it's the same thing with the incoming from social media. It's just most people are good natured, but you're always going to have those bad actors. And I think they have way too much influence now. Mm. Well, I think th this is a moment where the country is starved for leadership. And, yeah. and as that's all coming at them, they're looking for people to help them process it, to help them interpret it, to help them make meaning of it, to put it in perspective. And that, that's why I'm so frankly excited about this, this emergence of you on the national landscape, because I hope this is, you know, just the beginning of a new era of, of, of Luke Russert. But I think you're the kind of guy that I want to check in with from time yeah. to time to get your read on the country, to get your read on what's happening as a thought leader, as someone who I would consider almost, you know, inheriting a mantle of being a protector of America a guardian of this, <laughs> of this country, right? Something I know your whole family has taken seriously. I see you got, you know, your family name is up on the wall behind you. And I feel like the country is looking for people who are willing to put their family name out there and say, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. And this is what you should pay attention to. And this is, this is noise. So I really, especially among young people, 
Uh, I think we're starved for this new generation of leaders to emerge. And, and I feel like you're one of them, man. So as you do that, let me ask you, you know, you also covered politics. Um, the political landscape is such an opposite from what we just described about this landscape in America. Where do you see the path? As you know, we're, I think we're both optimistic about America overall, but we obviously recognize the, 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 the crisis that we're in now, um, if you would even call it that. But yeah. I would, where do you see the path politically? You know, we talk a lot about independence on the show. Uh, there's a thirst for other options and new leaders. I think you're the type of voice that, that captures some of that energy. So where do you see the path forward politically for this country? It's a good question. I think if you look out and you see, all right, who are leaders that seem to have uh, the respect where the other side will say, you know what, I don't agree with them, but I respect them enough and they're actually competent and do a decent job. And I think it's interesting. You look around the country. So one person I've been impressed with is the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. Um, and I think that she sort of struck a balance of trying to reach out to the other side uh, but not being totally dragged down the rabbit hole of her own party. Mm. And I think that's sort of where you got to go. You got to look in that space. The new, new New Hampshire is another example on the Republican side, someone who uh, is, you know, the, most Democrats, if you injected them with truth serum in New Hampshire would say, Sununu's new done a decent job as governor. Right. And I've always been fascinated with the sort of those types of leaders that are pragmatic. They're technocratic. Charlie Baker is the governor of Massachusetts. I, I often said that like if Charlie Baker had run for president, he likely would have won in a landslide. And like that's where the country is. Is it, it is Josh Shapiro in, in uh, Pennsylvania? I think it's these sort of pragmatic governors that understand you're not going to get everything. And the most important thing is that people feel like you're competent and they're getting something in return mm. for the taxes that they're paying. Um, you notice I said all governors, and that's yeah. because I do think there is a real lack of leadership in Washington in terms of our federally elected uh, leaders. And the reason being is I think it's gotten to a point now where um, it's it's complicated, so I'm going to go through it. I think Please. one thing is the boomers have not got off stage, right? And yeah. their coalitions are still very much around and you have to play, you know, you have to, you have to weave your way through to get into a position of leadership. So you look at Hakeem Jeffries, right. Is now the leader of the house Democrats it took him a long time to get there. Right. And while he's still number one, Pelosi's in the background, Hoyer's in the background, Clyburn's in the background. Right. So that's very, very difficult. Then on the Republican side, I think what you have is a, you don't know who's in charge. What I mean by that, it seems like, the furthest part of the, the, the most right-wing part of the party seems to dictate where these guys go. And no one's had the fortitude to sort of stay up, stand, stand up and say, hey, I'm going to lead the party this way. Like, we are conservatives. We're going to lower your taxes and kill terrorists, right? And like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, right. Stop playing, like, stop going in these, like, far, far, far rabbit hole right-wing politics that pop up. And that was what I, I learned covering Congress is that, Sometimes it felt like the conservative provocateurs were the ones who were dictating policy. And that would be upsetting because, again, most of the Republicans in the House, like in the House and the Senate, a lot of them actually just want to go and do work, like political work, but they never know what's going to come on the right. So I, I don't know how you fix it in Washington. I think it's going to take a combination of um, pragmatic younger leaders that want to work across the aisle and having the faith to sort of, hey, we're going to jump in this deep end together. Uh, and there's no trust right now. I mean, that's a big problem. But I think if, if you started to see more trust across the aisle to say, hey, this is going to be difficult, but we're going to do this together. And if our base eats us alive, our base eats us alive. I mean, that's one thing I think more people should talk about is that majority of these guys now in Congress, a lot of them have money. Okay, they're pulling in 170k a year. All right, if you lose because you stood on your principles, it's okay, <laughs> you're gonna be fine, right? You're gonna get a job lobbying, you're gonna get a job doing something else. It, it, you're not going to end up, you know, without a home. You can you, you'll be able to pay your bills, right? And that's the one thing I don't get. It's like this, it's this fear of. Of, of losing. 
And it's like, you, you, what are you doing? What, yeah. what, if, if you're not willing to gamble, if you're not willing to put it all out on the line for what you believe in, what are you doing? You well, know? A lot of it, a lot of it, Luke, is they're, they're holding on to power. Right. And, 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 but that's the thing. A lot of these backbenchers aren't, and that's what I don't get. It's like they, it's this waiting game and it's okay. It is, you know, I do have some power here and maybe if things fall into place and it'll it'll get there and I get that. But, you know, I I talk about, um, in 2010, I went in uh, the state of Ohio and I covered all these swing Democrats who had won an 08 were on the ballot in 10 who had voted for the healthcare bill, which was a very you know, controversial bill. And it was, to me, a real profile in courage. These people did it. And uh, they all lost, every single one of them, who I, who, I, who I covered. And I reached out to one of them, a guy named John Bocherry later on. And he's like, yeah, I got no regrets. And I, I, I think he's a veteran too. And I, he goes, I have no regrets. You know, it's like, what, what else do you go to Washington for if not to enact some meaningful big change? You might disagree with the health care bill. You might support the health care bill. Okay. The point is, is that it was a meaningful piece of legislation that has helped a lot of people. Right. That's what you do. Yeah. And you lose, you go on. And, yeah. and, and that's the one thing I wish uh, we had more politicians that, that were not afraid of losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, let okay. me ask you this, Luke, because it, yeah. I think you're touching on a point we've explored on this show a lot, which is like the rise of authentic and largely independent, what we would call independent leaders. We had Mayor Yemi uh, Mobilati from Colorado Springs on in the last episode. We've had yeah. Wes Moore on this show, who I know you know. And, and, and Maryland, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a good guy. And they're outside the box politicians. They're, they're trying to be uniters. They're, they're in my view, po- positive. They're good role models for your kids. They're people we can look up to who add light and not just heat. But as we watch this generation rise up, we have also, I think what you kind of named is the rise of the backbenchers, mm-hmm. right? Where you've got like backbenchers in the starting lineup and that's kind of disrupted everything, right? <laughs> but, but, but there is this core of new leaders coming up. And, and I want to just ask you straight up. I, I assume your dad was an independent. I assume you're an independent, but I don't know. Um, would you run? Because you're the kind of guy that, look, you put you on, Wes Moore is going to run for president. You could be a great VP candidate. You could be a governor. You could be a member of Congress. But you're somebody that people trust, Luke. And especially this next generation, you understand all sides of it. Would you ever run for office? I never say never, but I have to tell you, covering it so closely, what really there was two things that left the bad taste in my mouth. is the influence of money and the, the way you have to ask for money consistently. I don't think people realize that, but like you get elected to Congress, they bring you in, you know, to the building. The first thing you do is like the office lottery to see where you're going to be on, you know, in the Capitol, right? The second thing is, oh, here's the address of the DCCC or the NRCC, and uh, every day you got to go for two or three hours and then work the phones, and it's a certain amount of money being raised, right? And it's, and then you have the rise of the super PACs, and that just to me is it, it's it. It turns off so many people. And I think you start to see, uh, um, you're starting to see that because there is a huge candidate recruitment issue on both sides. Yeah. The second thing is just, you you talk about Roosevelt's man in the arena, and I think people are used to taking in a lot of incoming if they're running for office. But it's gotten to the point now where it's so vulgar, it's so crude. And uh, politics has always been tough, but you've never had the technology that I think puts people in a lot of danger consistently. Um, and, and really exposes like their families and and all these things to, to really difficult things. So those are the two things that have always sort of turned me off that, uh, I'm, I'm not really at at peace with that being said, I never say never. I'm always sort of interested in in sort of where the country goes, but I think I'm much better off sort of analyzing and, and highlighting things that are important and and going from there. I'm going to be among the crew that's going to start the draft loop. Uh, campaign because uh, you know you're, you're exactly the kind of guy we need in Washington because you understand real people and you understand policy and you understand how to how to listen and and how to how to communicate with clarity and and you've got authenticity so I think that that's really I think I think we're going to find this as you continue to speak more I think yeah. people are going to respond more deeply respond more passionately and and are going to ask you you know what do you think what would you do 
you know, will you serve? And I, I think you listening. Give them the stiff arm, no, but, no, listening. Um, listening is so important. I'm happy you brought that up because that's something that I learned traveling the world is the value in listening and being perceptive, and that is something that is really a lost art, uh, which is um, scary to me. And I think part of that is, you know, I keep harping about the technology, but like the technology should make it easier to listen, but it makes it harder, does, yeah. right? And it's, it, it, that's sort of something that I'm trying to wrap my head around is we have very few good listeners left uh, in Congress or who, or, or maybe they're good, but they're not vocalizing what they're, what they're seeing enough. So that's, mm. that's a very good point. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've, I've been lucky enough to have folks on this show that, that I really consider, you know, guardians of, of the soul of America. Right. Think, you know, you are representing this, this next generation and and it's powerful and it's important but you also part of it is you know you have this great understanding of the culture of america mm -hmm. and i try to think every time i have a guest on what shirt am i going to wear and i'm like you know what <laughs> Luke, i'm wearing my little league coach shirt uh, that we just finished our little league season um you're how'd you guys do we, we well we won the championship uh, uh, all right Thanks in the, the bottom coach. of the sixth inning in our league, you do coach you pitch six, for four yeah. and five, and then right. sorry, kid pitch for four and five, and then in the sixth inning, the final inning, we get coach pitch again, and the mighty Timber Rattlers pulled it off in the bottom of the sixth. <laughs> but it, I think it, I've said before, you know, mandatory service. I'm a fan of. I would love to have people have to work in restaurants. I'd also love for every American to have to coach to just understand how important that is. But sports has been a really you know, formative part of your life. You understand the intersection with politics. You've been talking about the Bills constantly, which is kind of like the perfect team for you to root for, right? Um, yeah. But I want to ask you a specific question. It's July 4th. Baseball is 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 totally changed. And I think reborn in a lot of ways. Um, can you just, can I just hand you the ball and say, you know, changes to Major League Baseball, baseball, July 4th, Luke Russert, here's the pitch. All right, so... My first reaction, I'm a national season ticket holder. And before that, I used to go to Orioles games with my father. So grew up around baseball my entire life. Absolutely adore it. My first reaction to the rule changes, all right, was for night games, I loved it. For day games, I was like, oh, no, I want more time in the sun to sort of drink beer and, and hang out. Night games, this is great. This is moving. Like, I'm going to get home and, and, and get to chill and go to bed, Right. But I think now, after watching almost half a season, um, baseball saved itself. It, it, I give it a lot of credit. I think that there are purists who are angry about it, and I get that. But if you go to a game now, the attendance numbers show this, it is a remarkably better experience. Like, you're engaged. The ball is in play. There are more, there's more hitting. Uh, like the pitcher gets in a groove and you see these incredible matchups now because there's some pitchers who understand the psychology of moving quickly. Like Max Scherz is a great example of it. There's mm. other pitchers that are still learning it. And that's been one of the fun things for me as a fan to sort of watch these players try and uh, there's always been a lot of psychology in baseball, right? But trying to psych each other out using the, the, the speed clock and, and how to do it. Harper's really good at it too from the hitting side. So I, I think baseball is in a great place. And honestly, that might be an inspiration for America, right? Like, here's our national pastime. It, it, took, it made some hard changes. Not everybody was about it, but you know what they did? They jumped out in the deep end together, and it worked out. So, yeah, let that be a lesson. I like that parallel, man. I really do. You, you, you crushed that pitch. That was great. <laughs> I mean, even the ending. I teed it up for you and I was hoping you'd hit it, but you crushed it. And I think yeah. that, that is, that there's, there's a huge insight in, into what's happening. And, you know, I, I met some German tourists yesterday and they're yeah. saying, Hey, what, what should I do when I'm in New York? I said, go to a Yankee game. And, and yeah. the woman was like, yeah, but baseball is really slow. And we went one time before 10 years ago. I said, it's totally different. You're, you're going to really love it. It's great. And she said, okay, we'll give it a try. And even maybe more importantly, the Yankees, had a 10-inning game the other night that ended at, like, 9.48. My kids could see the Dude, whole game. The one, right? the and, one and that I will never get over game. was the Red Sox-Yankees Sunday night extra inning game that was done in two hours and 40-something minutes. I mean, I went, to, I went to Boston College, so I went to some of those Sunday night Yankee baseball uh, Yankee Red Sox baseball games. 
Those were nine hours long. Like, yes. I went to a Tigers ever. game when I was a kid. Yeah. I went to a Tigers game when I was a kid that I think was a night game that I think went 17 innings. Oh I don't know what time we got home. Yeah. We, we yeah. kind of held fast. But my kids, you know, have really – it's happening at the same time my kids are playing Little League. And, and it, I think it's really re-inspired the country and brought back this great game. It's kind of like, you know, for a couple of years we've been having to sell America and be like, look, yeah. come on, America's still in there. It's really great. And people are like, I don't know. And now we've been telling them about baseball and now they believe it. So I think that that intersection between baseball and America is really spot on and powerful. Um, you've generously agreed to stick around for a couple of questions for our Patreon members. Big thanks yeah, to them. Yeah, I do that. I want, I want to say one thing, though. But please, I know about I got one more question service. for you. I got a yeah. final pitch for you after this one. But go ahead. Okay. So one of the things you just said about mandatory national service is something that I've thought a long time about. And I think one of the reasons why the World War II generation was so successful was because of that great equalizer. There was a common understanding where everybody from you know all across the country was sort of put together and forced to do something. And traveling around the world and seeing countries that had that mandatory national service, that's what it does. And um, I, I don't know what what that should look like. I mean, one of the things I've sort of spoken about is my mom was a Peace Corps volunteer. So you have something like, all right, you give 18 months to AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, the military, uh, teach, teach for America, something like that, where everyone's sort of put together with a common experience around the ages of 18 and 19. And all the studies show that kids are better off going to college like in their a year later or two years later to have some sort of lived experience. Um, and I really wish that would happen. And I think, again, to compare that to baseball, like, let's say we put out that change. You're going to have people that say, no, you're going to have lawsuits against it, right? You're going to have uh, rich people that don't want to do it. You're going to have people that say it violates, you know, their religion or it violates, you know, their whatever. But eventually, I think most people would look at it and say, yeah, this is probably good for us overall, because we need to have that sort of connected connect connectiveness that we've lost, Right. And if everybody at age 18, 19, 20 is put together and, and gives back, it would go a long way. It mm. really would go a long way. I mean, imagine taking a kid from like Alabama, right, and pairing him with a kid from Harlem and pairing them with a kid from Seattle, right, and a kid from Oklahoma, and they're put together and it could be something is, okay, you know what? You're going to clean up garbage in Cincinnati and you're going to do it for 18 months. And you're going to live together. And you're going to understand one another. And then you're going to be done and go do whatever you want. I mean, I, I just think that's there's a lot of value add there. Yeah. And we have the great example of Ukraine right now. Right. right? I've said a lot, you know, in the last yeah. year, Ukraine has felt a bit more American than America does because there mm -hmm. is that unity of purpose. And they've had yeah. um, a level of cohesion and, and involvement and, you know, under threat that, you know, in many ways, Going back to your point about 9-11, you know, we could have handled 9-11 in a way, spiritually, socially, oh, yeah. you know, culturally, oh, that yeah. was like that. Instead, I think we lost our way. And you have been a guide, I think, in helping bring us back to the right azimuth for this country. Thank and, you, you know, I, I don't know what this, this iteration of Luke is, but it's powerful. And it's, you know, we, we, everybody's longing for Anthony Bourdain Day was yesterday. Uh, We've had my friend Biratunde on this show. I just want to put a GoPro on your head. <laughs> and just have you go around America and just see what you experience because it, it's so powerful and important. Let me ask you a final question, Luke. Sure, sure. July 4th, yeah. if, if you come over to our house for a barbecue uh, and, and everybody says, all right, Luke, give a 4th of July toast, uh, what, what would you say to the, to the 4th country? of July toast, man. Um, here's, here, here's what I would raise for America on, on, on her birthday is that for all the problems that we have, I truly believe more so than any other country, our heart's always been in the right place. And one of my favorite artists, Bruce Springsteen, talks about you have the American dream and the American reality and that his music lives in that sort of intersection and, and the emptiness in between those things, right? And I would just simply say that even on our worst, I still think we hope for the best and we're trying for the best. So. I'm always optimistic about the country because I, I, I've traveled the world and I've seen other places and there's some, there's other places that do certain things better than us. I, I will admit to that. But when it comes down to these aspirations of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, 
uh, and the ability to try and change to make things better, uh, I think we, we're, we're still pretty damn good. So um, keep it going. It's not easy. It's not easy. And there's a lot of people that want to take us you know, to our worst impulses. Um, but in terms of, 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 of a real unity and diversity, I think we, we have way more of it than, than people think. Well, Luke Russell, America loves you. America's <laughs> rooting for you. And America needs you. So no, we're gonna we're gonna keep calling you. on you to help <laughs> us understand it. You know, every generation of of Russert has been uh, so 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 important in contributing to this country, and and I know that your family is proud of you. We're grateful for your whole family, your mom included, who maybe doesn't get enough shine. But I got I got to leave you with one last thing too. As the father of two young boys, uh, you're the kind of son that my kids can look up to, and I hope my kids turn out like you do. I think that's every parent's dream, but also I can't wait to see the next generation because because uh, what what when you're a dad and what happens next and when you're a granddad, uh, <laughs> it's going to be something to see, man. So my I thanks to everybody. That. Go check out Luke's amazing book. Look for me Thank there. You. Thank you, my friend, for all you do and, and for joining us. Happy July 4th and stay vigilant. Absolutely. God bless America. God bless America. If you see Luke out there on the trail, I hope that you will encourage him to run for office or at least keep speaking up and keep speaking out because his is a voice that we need to hear. Be sure to check out his book, Look For Me There, Grieving My Father and Finding Myself. You can find it everywhere, and there's a great audio book you could also upload so you can listen to it on your travels. And as you head out, check out his website, which has great travel trips and a detailed guide on how to see the world from an experienced world traveler. He's got travel tips on booking, packing, getting around, solo travel, journaling, and even what documents to bring. But Luke Russer is a voice that we all need to hear and share because he's thinking long and hard about freedom and independence, not just on this Independence Day, but every day. And he is most definitely a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Especially this July 4th, check the hashtag look for the helpers on social media and share yours with me. There's always some kind of crazy stuff that happens around July 4th when helpers step up to help others. So look for the helpers. They are out there. And if duty calls, step up and be a helper yourself. And as this July 4th hits, I want to take a minute to salute some special helpers, all the teachers and coaches. This week was the last week of school here in New York City. We feel like the last kids on the planet to finish school, but it's a time to reflect and a time to celebrate all those people who contribute so much for the kids and the young people and the older people in our community, the teachers, the social workers, the people who work in the buildings and the coaches. They all teach us what it means to be free and what it means to be good. And I came across this video that really breaks it down in a way that only a teacher or a coach can. Eyes are right here, guys. Eyes are right here. Be a tough guy in life. Be a tough guy in life. What's that mean for a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old or 11-year-old? That means including people because it's a little tougher to do that. Somebody that doesn't walk like you or talk like you, maybe he doesn't look like you, or he doesn't have all the nice things that you have, find that person. He's sitting by himself at a lunchroom table. Bring him over. Have him be part of your group. Be inclusive. Excluding people, that doesn't take much. That's not very tough. Including people, being aware of people around you. Being aware of how you talk to your buddies. Being aware of how you talk to everybody and making sure that they feel good about themselves so that you're not dragging them down by your words. And just because you get a couple chuckles out of your buddy, 
and you're making fun of a guy and, you, and, 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 that, and that kid feels terrible about himself, how tough is that? Not very. Not very. Be inclusive. Bring people in. That's Army head coach Joe Alberici. And if he doesn't have you motivated, I don't know what to tell you. But he brings fireworks every day, and he is an example of so many coaches, teachers, supporters who help our kids or help our young people and help all of us. So please, keep sharing your helper stories and post them. And when you're on social, be sure to play Guest the Guest every Wednesday night. Get on board and join them every Wednesday and bring the fireworks. Last week, lots of you got Mayor Yemi Mombalati, which is great. I didn't expect it. But Yemi is making waves, and many of you got it right. You brought your fireworks. You brought your Roman candles, including Chris Hamilton out in Omaha, Nebraska. Big shout-out to Chris, who loves hockey, soccer, and Colorado sports. And he wrote, got to go with Yemi. Is this photo a play at his waffles pancakes question? Did you see the ad he and his opponent put out this week? Yes, I did. A lot of folks are talking about this ad. He actually posted an ad with the guy he ran against as a sign of unity. It was really inspiring and exactly the kind of stuff we expect from Yemi. But thanks, Chris, for playing guest to guest. Also, our friend Dave Medina out in Saginaw, Michigan, who's got four beautiful girls, and he's probably kicking off his summer. He guessed Yemi Bobolati or Wes Moore. Well, I'll give it to you, Dave, because you guessed Yemi first, and I'm in a generous mood this Independence Day. I hope you and your family have a great Independence Day. And if it's guest to guest. You know we got our Grucci family of guest to guest who's going to fire off his best shot, our friend Delfino Sanchez. Now, he kind of got stumped. He couldn't actually find the photo. And he said, hey, Paul, I can't find the photo. However, could it be the great and powerful independent Yemi Mobilati? He is indeed right again. He also mentioned that 227 with Ron Perlman was fantastic and full of the five eyes and great on YouTube which he is right about. I recommend it. If you haven't heard 227 with the great Ron Perlman, we talk about Transformers, we talk about life, we talk about politics. Go back and check that out for your July 4th ride. And he asked me, see any surprises in the NBA draft? Yes, I was surprised the Knicks didn't have a pick in the first two rounds. I guess we've traded them all away, but I am already excited about the NBA next year. And like I've told you, we've been playing a lot of basketball outside, and we expect to do it throughout the summer. And if you're in New York City, give me a holler. Come on down to the courts and join me. Until then, continue to play guest to guest and go to independentamericans.us where you can see all these past episodes. If you want to load up on the summer, load them up for a car ride or a plane ride, wherever you go, load up a couple of episodes of Independent Americans. And be sure to check out the video as well. It's on YouTube where you can follow us there and follow us on all the social media platforms. And do me a solid. Support this show by joining our Patreon community. Patreon community, you guys make this show possible. We don't have any big sponsors. We don't have any pharmaceutical companies. We got you. And you bring the fire every day and help us bring this content. So thank you to all of you. But please consider joining our Patreon community. Contribute what you can at independentamericans.us. And you'll get extra content with Luke Russert. And he was really good. He talked about his favorite drink, which does not disappoint, and has an amazing first car story. I mean, one of my favorite of all time. He talks about the tunes he's digging, which includes Springsteen and many other things. And he has a very strong position on waffles versus pancakes. So check that out, independentamericans.us, only for our Patreon members. Be one of them, please. And this week throughout the summer, check me out on News Nation with Marnie Hughes on most Thursdays. We may be taking some weeks off with the summer. I'm rolling with the punches. And check me out on Deadline White House on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace. I don't know if Luke's going to make an appearance over there in the next couple weeks. I hope he does. But look for me over there. And for other media appearances, check me out on all the social media platforms. And please take a minute to subscribe, share, and do all those things for this podcast and help us at Independent Americans keep fighting for freedom. Hold on to me, don't let me go. Who cares what they see? Who cares what they know? Your first name is free, last name is dumb. But you still believe in where we're from. Man's right flower.
Yeah, Independence Day is this show's favorite day of the year. Because it's America's birthday and a celebration of freedom. And it's also some freedom for my boys because, as I mentioned earlier, school is finally over. But it's also a time to remember that freedom is under attack worldwide and always has been and must be protected always. Your first name is King, last name is Dumb, because you still believe in everyone. So this Independence Day, as you gather, gather with others, maybe gather with a small group or just gather by yourself, gather with kindness, gather with openness, gather with unity, because freedom is what we must support. And that means supporting each other. And freedom is the true spirit of our independent movement. It's our beating heart. Independence are the future because we are grounded in the foundation of this country from the past. And we're not alone in our independence, especially now. And this is our day. So celebrate it. Because America might be more divided than ever, but we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are fighting to change it, adding light to contrast the heat of all that other political nonsense. And if you're among that 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show and this is your day. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, Independence Day is a good time to check us out. Welcome. You're all welcome. Because our independent movement is the hope for the future. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat. Blowing up the status quo and firing up a new movement that spans all across our society. Lighting up the sky and inspiring the future. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with my friend Luke Russert. If you did, please share it far and wide. Give it out as an Independence Day gift. Let's start a new thing. Give the gift of independence to any independence or anyone who's independently curious on this Independence Day. Invite them. Invite them all to declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And the hope we share is the oxygen of our democracy. It's the fireworks in the sky that make us stop, look up, and unite in community and in awe. So stay vigilant. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant, and we're all in this together, especially this Independence Day. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Happy birthday, America. We sure do love you. And happy Independence Day. Stay vigilant, America. And stay free. Freedom. 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 Powered by Righteous Media.